Genesis 2 and 17, the Lord God said to Adam, he told them, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. In the day that you eat it, you will surely die. Before you go there, and I know you got your Bible open, but don't look. You can help yourself if you haven't already. Anybody know what verse comes next? Not what you might think that would follow this instruction, but there's a reason. Verse 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Isn't that an interesting follow-up to here's these, all these trees, don't eat this one. If you do, you'll die. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. We know that the Lord put the tree in the garden for a reason. He does everything for a reason. We know the reason that he put the tree there and then told Adam not to eat of it was so that he could make sure that Adam was willing to submit his will to the will of God. That was the purpose. Man always has to have a place of submission to the will of God. However, God does not force it. He simply gives the instruction and then waits for man to choose to submit his will to the will of God. Isn't it something interesting about human nature? You tell a child what they cannot do. Parents are grinning or chuckling already because you know exactly what happens. You could put a child in a room full of toys and say, you can play with all the toys in the room, but not that one. And I guarantee you it won't take long. They may be over there like, Something about human nature, human nature does not want to submit itself. God gave us free will. The greatest use of our free will is to lay it down, to make the choice to lay it down. The tree was in the garden. Some of you get nervous just because we're starting to talk about this. Some people, I don't know if in this room, maybe, maybe I do, maybe I don't. We just, our spirits speak really loud sometimes. Some people get really antsy and nervous the moment you use the word submission. Something rises up. And here's thoughts that come. Ain't nobody going to control me. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Ain't nobody going to, ain't, ain't, ain't nobody, nobody, nobody. Really what I'm saying is my life, I run it. I'm the God of my life. I'm the king or the queen of my life. It's my life. I'll live it the way I want to live it. And the Lord says, And he steps back and he allows freedom of choice because you have free will. Adam and Eve had access to everything in the garden. Wouldn't you like to be there? Yeah, me too. But because one man couldn't submit to one instruction of God, sin came upon all of us. 
Because anytime I'll not submit to the instruction of God, it's sin. And the man opened the door. Adam opened the door to sin. Now, I, I know Adam was, or Eve was deceived by the serpent she took, but Adam was there. She offered it to him to eat. I think the responsibility fell on him. They both sinned. They both sinned. Not letting one off the hook. They both sinned. Adam was in transgression. Study the word. It's a different Bible study for a different time. Now, we see this pattern of submission. Now, I don't know how long it was from when they were in the garden until this happened. Time has a way of getting us to, if we're not careful, violate God's instruction. And so we see this tree for submission to the will of God. It's a place that keeps man postured properly so that God continued, can continue to bless man and work in his life. We see following that tree, the next verse that God says, okay, once I get man in proper place and submission to me, I recognize it's not good for man to be alone. I'm going to give him a help meet. And so the Lord, this verse is often misquoted. Some of you know, he's, some people quote this, I will make a help mate for him. That's not what it says. It's a help meet. They meet each other at the place where help is needed. It's a meet place. Now, you, this principle of the word of God is one we must come to embrace and walk in if, in fact, we want to truly be used of God and walk in the power of his spirit. I'll say that again. If you want to be used of God and walk in the power of his spirit, we have to embrace this principle of the word of God. If we don't embrace this principle of the word of God, we can never walk fully in the power of his spirit and be fully used by God. Because God's not interested in using someone that's not willing to submit to his will. Why would he do that? He knows good and well. They'd take glory. They'd take the credit. They'd get lifted up in themselves. And so this principle of submission was established in the garden, the book of beginnings. And so we go fast forward. Well, not super fast, but forward to Exodus chapter 20. We're not going to read there this morning, but most of you know what's there just by me saying that chapter Exodus 20 is where we find the Ten Commandments, what are often called the Ten Commandments. And we find one there that the Lord gives. I believe it's the Fifth Commandment. Anybody know what the Fifth Commandment is? You guys are disappointing me here. We're going to have to... Didn't you learn the Ten Commandments when you were a little kid? You just didn't remember them. Okay, the Fifth, the fifth Commandment is honor... Some of you are reading through Exodus 20. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five... It's not verse 5. The fifth commandment is honor thy father and thy mother. Yes? That thy days may be long upon the earth. That's what it says. I don't know if it's what it says that in Exodus 20 or if that says that in Deuteronomy when we see the Ten Commandments again. But there is this understanding that we honor our father and mother that our days may be long. We find in Ephesians chapter 6, I believe, 5 or 6, that... Paul quotes this, references honor thy father and mother, and he calls it the first commandment with promise. It's a commandment with promise. Isn't it interesting that the, why is that commandment so, why is God so concerned about children honoring their father and their mother? I mean, think about this. Out of all the commandments, if you were to sit down and write out Ten Commandments, I mean, I get thou shalt not kill, right? I mean, come on. I get thou shalt not steal. I get thou shalt not commit adultery. I, I, but, I mean, like, honor thy father. Isn't there a wiggle room in that one? Why, why did he choose? I'll tell you why. Because it's the place that a child learns the principle of submission. It's the place. 
honor. Isn't it interesting? The commandment isn't obey thy father. Now, they should. Obedience is honoring. Honoring the instruction of my father and mother as a child is obeying the, the instruction of my father. Is an honor. I'm honoring their request. I'm honoring their direction. I'm honoring their instruction. What is it? That commandment with promise is a place of submission. It's, man, we're going somewhere a little different. We got to learn this because God wants to use us. And we've got to let the Holy Ghost and His Word examine every area of our life in regard to this principle. I have a question for you. Now, I realize, I'll come to the question in a second. I realize that honoring father and mother changes in ways. Like, I, right, I have a 24-year-old son, almost. I have a 23-and-a-half-year-old son. Obviously, I have a daughter that's 26, a son that's 28. I don't tell them what to do anymore. Very often. I better say that. Just, I, I really don't. I, I, I try. There's times I want to. That's just the dad in me. But I don't. Their honoring of me is different than it was when they were three. When they were three, they did not make many decisions on their own. It didn't mean they didn't want to. Why? Anybody ever heard of the terrible twos? Yeah. Yep, some of you, just, just saying that brought back flashbacks in your mind. I saw some of you twitching, right? Right? What's happening in the terrible twos, if we'll use that term? I'll tell you what's happening. That child is pushing up against authority. Am I going to submit? It's something in human nature. Human nature resists submission to authority. Human nature, I'm not, now, we know the Lord that loves us. I realize we're going to have to move forward here, so I'm not going to give you a bunch of disclaimers today. But I understand there is an abuse of authority that takes place throughout world and time without end. I'm not talking about abused authority this morning. I'm talking about God-ordained authority. I'm talking about authority that's put in place by God. We see parents are God-ordained authority for children. This is God's plan. And so what happens to little Johnny when he's two years old and, he's, and he looks at you and you say, you know, hey, go in there and pick that up and put that away. And little Johnny looks at you. I'm, I don't think any of you guys have kids named Johnny. I hope not. Doesn't matter. I could have used any of your kids' names. It'd fit. <laughs> I could have used any of mine. It would fit. Right? This is human nature. Little Johnny looks at you and says, No. Felt that rise up in some of y'all too. <laughs> now, you do what you will. You're going to let little Johnny say no, and you go, no, 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 come on. You can say, well, if you don't, I'm going to. You can threaten him, but after a while, if you your words become empty, little Johnny learns, oh, what they say they don't mean, and therefore, little Johnny or Little Janie, just in case the girls think they're off the hook. Little Johnny or little Janie says, it doesn't matter if I obey because mom and dad have empty words. And they're empty words. And you know what happens? That comes over into their relationship with God. And they don't honor and fear the Lord and his word. Because they haven't learned the principle as a child. As a child. Some of you have heard me tell this story before, but I'll tell it again. We were, years ago, we were in Wapato, 17 years ago probably. And uh, during the middle of the week, because of where the building was located, I told my kids, like, you don't go outside and play. You know, like, here it's great. Our kids can go out and play. We don't worry about them. I mean, people got shot across the street from the church. We, you know, people were dead in the alley behind the building. We didn't necessarily want them outside when it was dark. I didn't mind. During the, I wasn't afraid. I just didn't want to put them in harm's way. 
I really wasn't. I, was, I didn't have fear. I, I purpose, I'm not living in fear. I ain't got time for all that. Use wisdom. But so I told my kids, hey, hey I think on Sundays they could go outside, but on uh, maybe, yeah. But anyway, don't go outside during the midweek because it's dark outside. Don't go outside after church. What are they going to do as soon as church's over? You know what they're going to do. You got kids, they go outside. I told them, you go outside again. When we get home, I'm spanking you. I, I, I just believe the Bible. You spare the rod, you spoil the child. The heart of foolishness is in a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from them. If you don't spank your children, I take that up between you and the Lord. I'm just telling you, I believe the word of God. There's a place to spank them. I don't believe in abusing them. But hurting their bum might hurt their pride a little bit, but they'll learn. Dad means what he says. Okay? This is submission. These are principles of submission. And so this starts in childhood. Now, some of you are going, hey, I don't have kids. This doesn't apply to me. Stay with me. We're not just talking about kids. If you got kids, this is just bonus for you. But there's spiritual implications here. There's spiritual implications here. And so I told them. Now, so you would think they're going to honor their father and not go outside anymore, right? Isn't that what you think they were going to do? Now, anybody that's a parent knows good and well. Well, no, they're probably not. They're going to push the envelope. And they did. And so we, not the girl, she's an angel. (laughs) She just didn't have any friends to go outside with. Is probably the thing. They stayed inside and played. They didn't want to go outside. But the boys, they're outside. So, so we get in the car. I go find them outside. We're the last one. I bring them inside. I'm like, you sit right here on the back pew. I'll talk, we'll talk. They knew it was over. They knew. They're sitting there. We're the last ones to leave. We get in the car. I'm not saying anything. We'll deal with it when we get home. We get home. I, put, I said, go in there, get ready for bed, brush your teeth, get your pajamas on. I'll be in. You know, the waiting was the worst part when you were a kid, wasn't it? That's exactly right. So I go in there, my two boys, man, it seemed like yesterday, but it was years ago. They were, I don't know how old they were. I guess Ethan probably would have been five or six. No, probably five, six at the most. Anyway, so there's those boys sitting on their bed. I sit down in front of them. I, I walk them through what they did and what I said. And they knew it. I made sure. Yeah, we, what did I say would happen? You said, yep, okay. So you heard the word. You just chose to disobey the word. You can't disobey without consequences. What's the consequence? What I tell you was going to happen? You're going to spank us, right? Okay, so you understood the consequence. Yes, Okay. And I don't know, I get, I'm sure the Lord. I said, I want to tell you something. Do you deserve a spanking? They wrestled with that for a second, but they knew they didn't. Yeah. Yeah, you do. You deserve one because you knew what you were supposed to do and you didn't do it. You deliberately and intentionally disobeyed, knowing the consequence. You chose not to submit. You chose your will Over your father's will. You chose your will. Over your father's will. But here's the deal. I want to teach you something. There's this thing called mercy. Mercy. Is when you don't get. What you know you deserve. The wages of sin are death. <laughs> but the gift of God. The gift of God. Cost of my sin, there's a price, and I know the price. But the gift of God. And so I said, boys, tonight, I'm not going to spank you. Not because you don't deserve it and not because I did not mean what I said. The reason you're not getting a spanking tonight is because I'm showing you mercy. 
You did not earn it. I'm giving it freely. Next time. Now, having received mercy, aren't you thankful for mercy? Amen? You know how many times we didn't get what we deserved. The fact that we're here tells us we did not get what we deserved from a God who asks us to submit to his will. And the thing is, submitting to his will blesses our life. Submitting to him blesses our family. Submitting to him blesses our home. Submitting to him blesses every element of our life. But yet our human nature just struggles to submit to him. So you think after mercy, right? After, woo, close call. You ever have one of those close calls and just the mercy of God? The next service that was during the middle of the week. Those boys didn't go outside. They stayed in. I don't know, Brother Joel, if it was two or three weeks later. Anybody know what happened? They went outside, didn't they? See, you know this, not because I've got these terrible kids. You know this because you know human nature. You know human nature. They weren't exhibiting anything that was abnormal. They were exhibiting human nature. So I did what a loving father would do. I went outside and I got them. I sat them down in the pew again, and we had the same conversation. We'll deal with this when we get home. We got home. We went through the same deal. Da 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 da. I'll come in there after you're ready. I come in. I'll never. I can't remember which one. I think it was the oldest. Is it the or is it, he doesn't remember? It must have been the oldest. I think it, it sounds like something the oldest would say. We're sitting there, and I'm telling them, I walked them through. Did I tell you? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, you understand? Yep, yep. You can. Okay, yes. The oldest looks at me and says, Dad, do you think we could have mercy? <laughs> I grinned a little bit inside. But I also heard a little bit inside. I wanted to show mercy again, but I knew I couldn't. I knew if I continued to extend mercy without consequence, they would never learn the value of submission and they would just abuse mercy. If I'm not careful, I can begin to just abuse mercy. Because his mercies are new every morning. His mercy endures forever. And the mercy of God is not meant to give me a license to live however I want. The mercy of God is meant to bring me to salvation. I said, no, no mercy tonight. They had to learn the consequence. Why? Because I was teaching them the value of submission. So we see this scripture, honor your father and your mother. You never, you never get to break from that. The Lord convicted me of this years ago. My parents don't tell me what to do anymore. Right? I'm 53 years old. They don't tell me what to do anymore. They suggest things along the way at times. Parents will always do that. But I still have a scriptural responsibility to honor my father and my mother. Some of y'all wrestling with that. You still have a scriptural responsibility to do that. Now, so we see this principle. So we fast forward and we see in Ephesians 5 and Ephesians 6, we see the Lord through the Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus. And he says here that Christ is the head of the man. And the man is the head of the woman. He says that 
Husbands should love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He says that wives should submit themselves to their husbands. And we see this order given of God that is a principle from the beginning of submission in relationship that brings the blessing of God. You with me? I know some of you don't like this. It just reveals my heart and my spirit. There is a principle of submission in a home. That it brings order, it brings blessing, it brings a flow of God's spirit. Or is my wife my helpmeet? Absolutely right. Yes, she is. But there is God-ordained order in our home. And see what we miss sometimes. Here's what happens. Now, Sometimes this is taught and preached and we look at this and we go, man, if that lady will hold on just a minute. Christ is the head of the woman, of the man. Christ is the head of the man. I have witnessed in my years of living and in my years of the privilege I have of working with people, I have witnessed Wives who have gotten pulled in between trying to be submitted to their husband, but they have a husband who will not submit themselves to the Lord. And they keep trying to do the right thing. And now you understand, the scripture doesn't give the wife a free pass that says, well, if your husband's not submitting to the Lord, then you don't have to submit to him. The Lord doesn't say, well, you know, because that's not happening, therefore you don't have to obey my word. Matter of fact, I read one place in Scripture. This is, this is probably the most mind-blowing Scripture to me. The Bible says that a husband, an unsaved husband, can be saved by a wife. And this is what gets me about, about her, 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 her chaste conversation. And here's what blows my mind about this scripture. It says that he can be saved without the word. You didn't know that was in there, did you, some of you? You're going to go look now, aren't you? I promise you it's in there. That's the power of submission. God says, I have to honor that vessel. This may be out of order. The man may not be submitted to me like he's supposed to be, but she's honoring my word in relationship to her husband. Therefore, I have to bring blessing in her life. Therefore, I have to honor her honoring my word because she's honoring me by honoring my word. Now, Peter talks about this. We don't have time for all that this morning. I want you to understand, we get through Ephesians 5, and Paul makes this statement about this husband. He talks all this about husbands and wives and Christ the head and husbands the head of the wife. And he, he talks through all of that, and he says, It is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and his church. What is Paul doing? He's bringing back again the full principle of submission to the will of God. He says, I'm using this example in the home, but what I'm really trying to drive home to the church is there's supposed to be a relationship between you, who is the bride of Christ, and your head, who is Christ, of the church. There should be in you a willful submission to his direction. There should be in you a willful submission to his voice. There should be a willful submission to the direction and the plan and the purpose of God. It's a principle of the word of God. You and I have to deal with it every single day. Every day. Every day. Every day. If we want to be used of God, we have to learn and walk in this principle of the Word of God. I find it interesting in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, we see, of course, the angel of the Lord speaking to the seven churches. We see that. And we find the church, I believe it's the third church at Thyatira, 
It's an interesting thing that says about there. The Lord has something against that boy, against that church. He did against six of the seven churches, right, except for the church at Philadelphia. And he had something against the church at Thyatira. He said, here's the issue I have with you. He said, you suffer that prophetess, or she calls herself a prophetess. You suffer that Jezebel. Now, this is hundreds of years later. What happened? Did Jezebel resurrect from the dead? Of course not. The Lord is addressing a spirit that is there in the church at Thyatira. He's saying you're allowing this. Some of you get nervous. Stay with me. We're going to stay in the word. He's addressing this spirit. So what is this spirit of Jezebel that he's talking about? You suffer that woman Jezebel. She teaches and she seduces my servants and her seduction leads to fornication, to all these things. He talks about all, you're thinking, hold on, is he talking to a church? Yes, he is. But what has happened is things have gotten out of order in the church. And so we see this spirit that is there that the Lord is addressing in the church in the last day. And he's saying, this is what's happening. It's a spirit of Jezebel. Well, what is the spirit of Jezebel? We don't have time to go back. I'll just tell you this morning. If you go back and read First and Second Kings and all that, you read about Jezebel. Jezebel was a lady that was married to Ahab. Ahab was the king of Israel. You know about this? Ahab was the king. Ahab was meant to be the head of the woman. This is God's structure, God's order. He wasn't saying the woman didn't matter. He wasn't saying she was insignificant. He wasn't saying her voice had no room. He, was, he wasn't saying any of that. He's just talking about order and how blessing flows through order. You understand? People have twisted this the other way. But the Lord was saying there's order. I bless order. I flow through order. I operate through order. Well, Jezebel was not interested in order. And what happened is Ahab, who was the king, who knew the ways of the Lord. Go back and look at how his father lived. His forefathers. He knew the ways of the Lord, but he walked in evil ways. Why? Because he listened to his wife Jezebel. Their home was not in proper order. Their home was out of order, and as a result of their home being out of order, because they were the leaders of the children of Israel, it affected all of Israel. And that spirit there in her. Ahab failed to be the man he was supposed to be. He failed to be the man he was supposed to be. Rather than submit to the will of God, he submitted to the will of his wife. Out of order. Now, if you heard me say that and you heard, and in that you're reading something between the lines that sounds like, He just said the will of the wife doesn't matter. That's absolutely not what I said. I'm talking about the order that the Lord operates through. He wants to use. Why do we have to learn this? I know some of you are sitting here. You're going, man, I'm not married. I'm single. Thank you, Jesus. I don't have to deal with it. Oh, yes, you do. Because the principle is there. It's the principle. Jesus exampled it in the Garden of Gethsemane when he said, not my will, but yours be done. What was he doing? He was submitting the human will to the will of God. We know he was God in the flesh, but he was, this is why the scripture can say that he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without, well, some people say, well, I know that he wasn't tempted with Heroin, I don't know, I'm making something right. He wasn't tempted with it. That's not what the scripture means. He was tempted in all points. Where was he tempted? He was tempted to do his will rather than the will of God. That's how we're always tempted. We're tempted. 
James tells us, let no man when he's tempted say he's tempted of God, for God tempts no man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So what happens? I'm tempted by my own will, what I desire, what I want. And so the Lord Jesus was tempted in every point just like us. He was tempted by the fact that he had a human will. And he had the purpose not to give in to the temptation of his human will. He had to example and show us the power of the principle of submitting to the will of the Father. And so we see it throughout Scripture, this need to be submitted to the will of the Father. Some, the reason why there's no further growth in your life, it feels like I plateau, what's going on? Almost always, not always, but almost always it comes to a place where I have an issue with submitting my will to the will of God. The word of God is coming in there and I just don't want to believe that. I just won't, don't want to submit to that. I just don't want to take that word of God for what it says. I want to wrestle with the scripture. Peter talked about those that wrestle with the scripture even to their own destruction, he said. Mm, let's pray right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want a will that's fully submitted to yours, Lord. I want a will that's fully submitted to yours, Lord. I want a will that is fully submitted to yours, Lord. It's a place of blessing. It's a place of authority. It's a place, Father, where you work without hindrance. I want a will that is submitted to yours, Father. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, not my will, but yours, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. The human will is the greatest detriment to the working of the power of God through a life. The human will. This is why the Apostle Paul said, I die daily. What was he doing? He was saying, today I take my will and I lay it down. I take my will and I put it on the altar. I take my will. There was a marriage a few weeks ago. You know, if you're a married couple in the room, raise your hands. Put them up high. Put them up high. Don't act like you're concerned that somebody will see you. <laughs> oh, sorry, my hand's up. <laughs> I apologize. My hand. Okay. How many of you got married in a church? Raise your hand. You got married in a church. Look at that. Anybody get married in the foyer of a church? No, no. Where'd you get married at? Where? Oh, you got married at the altar. Raise your hand if you got married at the altar in the church. Just in case you didn't know, this front area is the altar of the church. Raise your hand if you got married at the altar of the church. Many of us. You might know what an altar's for. What's it for? Sacrifice. Oh, I thought it was just supposed to kneel, feel better about myself, and get up and go. No, no. No, that's not what it's for. That's what we've made it. An altar is a place where you go to die. An altar is a place where you go to die, to make sacrifice. There's a reason marriages happen at the altar. The principle is, I'm laying my life down because we are becoming one life now. When you come to the altar in repentance to the Lord, you're saying, I have lived after my own thinking and my own will and my own way, but I'm coming to the altar, whether that's here in the church, in your home, wherever you make the altar, you're saying, I'm laying my life down on the altar. My will dies here. I want to live to your will, so I pray, let my life die on the altar that I can submit to the will of God and see the work of God done in, with, and through my life. I want your will. 
I want it every day I live. I want it everywhere I go. I want it every interaction I have. I want the will of God. And I know that your will will not compete with mine. And therefore, the only way to do this according to your word is I've got to get my will on the altar. Some of you in your marriage, you need to go back to the altar together. It, it'll fix so much stuff. Just go back to the altar together and keep going to the altar together till you're not competing for your own will in your own way and you're seeking the order that God has intended. See, we go to the altar to submit our will to the head of the body. We die to our will so his is done. The spirit of Jezebel, I'm hurrying to finish. The spirit of Jezebel is at work in our world today like never before. Like never before. I think you know and you recognize we are not anti-women. I hope you recognize that. We are not anti-women in ministry and giving themselves to ministry. Man, we've been blessed by the teaching of many. I was reflecting on the teaching of Sister Julie just a few weeks ago. The teaching of Sister Stephanie Charles. We Home Bible studies that are taught. I, I've, Sister, some of you don't know this, Sister Priscilla wrote a book. And I was, it's, it's her thesis from her master's in college. But she wrote, and I'm blessed by her book that she wrote. So we're not anti-women in the ministry that flows that God uses a vessel. You understand that? But there's a spirit of Jezebel in our world today. And you watch it and see it in the church. And what's happened is there's a turn. I, I'm trying to be careful here. I'm going to call it what it is. So we need to be aware. I'm watching where there are these. Hmm. Yeah, I guess we're going to go here. There are co-pastors. Husband and wife are co-pastoring. Now, my wife and I are one flesh. She is my helpmeet. She has advice and instruction. She walks in pastoral ministry with different ones at different times. You understand that? But I'm watching this element that's in our world today where it's out of order, where there's this co-pastoring, and really what's happening is the lady has found a platform, figuratively and literally, and the husband is out of order. He is acquiescing to the ministry that's there. And the term I'm hearing a lot is she's a prophetess. I believe in prophetesses, you understand. There was one in the Bible that recognized Christ when he came into the temple. So I believe in those. But I also find it interesting, that's what they called the spirit of Jezebel in Revelation chapter 2. And I have never seen such a rise in prophetesses in my life. And I'm telling you what it is. I'm telling you what it is. You need to guard yourself and guard your spirit. It is a spirit that is rising up in this day that is getting out of order. And what it is, it is, hmm, it is those that do not want to be submitted to their husband. And so they found a way to break submission by saying, I hear from God and I have this authority from God. And so I'll take my place and position there and I can lord over situations and circumstances and come out from under authority. And what's happening is they're entertaining unclean spirits and they think it's God. And those who are deceived think it's God because they feel something or they hear something, but they're not discerning and they're not recognizing the foundational principle of Genesis. There must be a submission of the will to the will of God. Hmm. It's something we're going to have to pray against in this hour because people are held in bondage. Again, I'm not anti-women. I'm telling you, 
one of my favorite preachers in all of time. She's passed now. One of my favorite preachers, so mightily used of God, Sister Nona Freeman. I could call out three or four of her messages right now that have so impacted my life, I go back to again and again and again. But I never question her relationship and her posture in relationship to her husband. But that's getting out of order in our world today. Stand with me this morning. I know this is not what you thought we were... You were loving it when we were talking about faith, and you got to hold on to that too. Paul said, it's a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and His church. I speak concerning Christ and His church. Now, the thing to do if, let's say, I, I'll just pick on my wife and I, okay? Let's say that we have these issues, okay? Thankfully, we don't. Sometimes my wife's so submitted, I'm like, come on, push back a little bit here. War, war against me. If it's not that case, oftentimes what happens when one does not want to accept responsibility is to begin to lay fault on the other. It's what we referenced earlier about the wife says, but my husband doesn't submit to God as his head. That doesn't become the out for the wife to no longer submit to the husband. And the husband may say, well, my wife doesn't submit to my authority. You still got to love her as Christ loves the church. I'm not teaching or preaching some strong arm, thumb, dictator in the home gospel this morning. You understand that? There's a love of God that flows from the, should flow from the husband to the wife. Just as Christ loves the church, there should be a love of God that flows that way. And so because the love of God flows to us as the church, then we recognize I want to do his will because he loves me. And when he, he loves me, the love he's expressed to me causes me to do his will. So it is in the home. And so I find this place. And you say, well, but I can't love her like Christ loves the church. You're absolutely right. And so what do you have to do? You have to get Christ as your head, and the love of God will flow through you and I the way he intends. Now, I know this turned into teaching instead of preaching, but we're here. I don't apologize for it. I, this is a foundational principle for us to be used of God. The submission of our will to the will of God. I don't understand men who are afraid of their wives. I'm not saying there are men that aren't. I'm just saying I don't understand it. Thank God I don't understand that. I love my wife. I really do. I'm not trying to convince you of it. I'm simply expressing something. I love my wife. I love her so much that I have a grave responsibility to her to set direction for our home. I have a fear of God of not setting the direction for my home. My fear of God overrides any fear I may have of my wife. What she'll think about what I say or do when I'm submitting to my head. See, that's some of the issue. Some of you, you're more concerned about what your wife thinks than what God thinks. Wow. I didn't plan on saying that, but there we are. 
you understand, I'm concerned with what God thinks, and it affects how I speak to and how I lead our home. Why don't you just talk to the Lord right now? This is not just about marriage. This is far bigger than that. So don't just make it about that. It's far bigger than that. It's about you and I being willing to submit our will to the Lord for him to lead our life, for him to direct our life, for him to be the Lord of our life. In the name of Jesus, I want your will, Lord. I want your will, Lord. I want your will, and I know the only way to see your will is to lose my own. I want to lose my own will, Father, to be submitted to yours. I want to lose my own will to be submitted to yours, Father. That your work would be wrought. I pray for every family in this room. I pray for every single individual in this room. I pray the working of the will and the word of God in each heart and life that would willingly humble ourselves before you. I pray the directing of the scripture, the directing of your spirit, the directing of your word. God, by your grace, we will receive your word and walk in it. We will lay our lives upon the altar that your will would be accomplished in us, with us, and through us. We'll lay our lives upon the altar that your will would be done in our workplace, that your will would be done in our home, that your will would be done in our children, that your will would be done in our marriage. I want your blessing upon every facet of my life, God. And I know to see those things, the greatest avenue is the laying of my life upon the altar. I pray for grace today, Lord, a submitted heart, a submitted mind, a submitted will to your work, your plan, and your purpose, Lord. And I pray the leading of the Spirit to walk in the place and the calling of God that sets upon our lives as men and as women of God. I pray direct us, uh, give us godly wisdom today, Lord. Establish our steps according to your word and your will. Father, if there's any place or any area where I wrestle with your word contrary, I pray illuminate God. I want to receive it and embrace it and allow it to have its work in me that your will would be done. Our desire is to be used of you. Our desire is to be used of you. Our desire is to be used of you for your glory, used for your honor, used for your purpose. I pray this foundational principle of submission to your will consume our being, Lord, that we see the work of your hand in all that we do. Amen.